And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Skull King Football Podcast, presented by Vox DFS Firelines. Now, here are your hosts, Justin and Ryan Skullroot. Hey, Skull King Nation. Welcome back to another Skull King Football Podcast. My name is Ryan Skullroot. I'm your host tonight. And uh, again, we've got another three-headed monster uh, show coming on. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, welcome uh, my brother Justin to the show. Hello, everybody. He's got the he's got the the funny uh, the gamer's headset on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to a move. <laughs> and then uh, and then also on with us is a is a uh, our our buddy uh, our buddy Greg. Uh, Greg, go ahead and say go ahead and say hi. Hi, I just have a really stupid sheep-looking headset on. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight uh, we're going to go over. Um, there's a lot of news and notes to go over, um, and uh, and then tonight we're also going to be hitting up the uh, fantasy implications from the draft on the NFC North. We'll start with the AFC North and the NFC North. Last week we went over the AFC and NFC East, and so uh, we'll uh, we'll take a look to see what's um what's going on in the news, and then uh, kind of pontificate a little bit about our thoughts on uh, on the fantasy implications of uh, of a few different uh, draft picks so uh, first off let's start off by giving a little shout out to our title sponsor uh, Vox DFS Firelines at voxdfs.com um, they're one of the industry leaders in terms of providing and consulting on DFS uh, lineups whether it be in NFL MLB uh, soccer NBA playoffs doesn't matter. They have um, they have the people to write the lines to help you create your own lines uh, on no matter what platform you're playing, whether it's uh, um, FanDuel, DraftKings, Yahoo. Um, they are they are all over the map and, and can help you uh, you know build up a bit of a bankroll with your um, with your with your lines. So make sure to go to voxdfs.com. That's v-o-k-s-d-f-s.com. And let them know that the guys from Skull King Football sent you over there. And so let's go ahead and get into the news and notes. Starting off, um, this is, okay, we'll, we'll start off with this. Uh, Bucks running back Doug Martin avoided serious injury from a car accident that he was in. It turns out that the other driver was cited by the police. Was at fault? Um, from what I heard... I believe it, it basically, you know, a couple of scrapes and bruises, but nothing overall serious. Um, from what I, I believe one of the coaches said that he was actually having one of the better, um, you know, preseason workouts, which he needed because last year he played like poop and got injured again. So um, we'll see how much this affects Doug Martin and his ability to, uh, to make another comeback season. Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, – if you look at the accident report, he was treated for minor injuries. I don't see it as, as too effective on his um, abilities other than what he's currently dealing with in, in kind of the hodgepodge 
that is the Bucks backfield. Uh, Doug Martin uh, was on his way out and then kind of still in, but uh, he's definitely, I would not consider him the lead back based off of how others had uh, done later in the year. So, um, let's move on. We're going to skip that here. This one's for you, Greg. Jay Cutler officially announced his retirement and will join NFL on Fox since he couldn't make NFL on the field. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, what was it? Uh, I believe there was a report that came out that he had actually made calls to the Houston Texans and they refused to pick up the phone. Uh, well, I mean, he's done now, so uh, just what are some of your thoughts, uh, Greg? Well, I think we probably talked about this just about well before most people in the mainstream sports media would have covered it, um, was what was the market going to be for Jay Cutler and did Jay Cutler want to play? And maybe they turned down his phone calls, but he probably expected something early in the season or early in the offseason, didn't get it, you know, made a try, uh, was rejected, but you know, ultimately, I think uh, Fox is uh, going to be really pleased with Jay bringing the same uh, sparkling personality that has been winning over fans in the NFL for years. Um, I mean, when you put that kind of uh, chemistry um, and personality and passion uh, in the booth, I think that it can do nothing but, but bring fans to the broadcast. And, you know, when you think about the way that NFL ratings fell last year, one of the first things I would do if I were trying to fix it, would bring in Jay Cutler. Um, so I think this is a no-brainer hire. Um, there could go nowhere but up for Fox. Things have been going well for Fox as of late. So, um, yeah, I think this is, a, this is a great move, and I really look forward to seeing him in the booth and just hearing him break down plays and explaining why this pick happened or that pick happened or why he, somebody fumbled here, why they got sacked there. Or maybe you know, body he's been doing the, what he's been doing for the last couple of years in the huddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I mean, he's just going to be able to relate directly. I mean, I think, you know, you know, he's going to get the regional games in all seriousness because I, I think, you know, as I understand, they moved to Tennessee because they have a, they have a home there. Um, and so you can see him working over there and, you know, covering games where the quarterback play is, you know, maybe spotty at best. Maybe those are the games that they'll, they'll feature him in because he could be a real expert. You probably don't need him calling any of Tom Brady's games. Um, I don't think Jay Cutler has, has any right to ever say anything about Tom Brady except say, look at how good Tom Brady is. But you can't say that for two and a half hours straight and keep an audience. Uh, my, my question is this. Will Jay Cutler become the first grayscale commentator? <laughs> color commentator? <laughs> Because the only thing that, that, that comes into my mind in looking at Jay Cutler is those memes about him having a cigarette in his mouth and pissed right. all the time. And will he do that in the booth? I don't know. But I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't avoid that comment there. I'm sorry. No, no, it's perfect. <laughs> sorry, Jay. I think it's fantastic. The guy, the guy is just – he's done in the NFL. Um, no team was going to sign him because it would just infuriate their fans no matter how bad their quarterback situation was. All right. Uh, oh, quick side note, Greg. Now that Cutler is uh, is retired, uh, what's going to become of Cutler's corner in your articles? Well, in the event that one of his broadcasts is ever here in the West, or I actually just tune into one, um, then I might just break down his commentary of the game um, and and let him have it for that. But the other, I think Cutler's corner may may remain as a piece because. 
the Bears are going to be so bad, we might look at game comparisons of how Cutler might have helped them win a game or at least lose less badly. So I think he, he will still be there, kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi was after he was struck down. He was still in the other episodes. He's just like that ghost. He just like shows up late. You know, he has some kind of message to give. I think Jay will still have that, you know, that role here in the show. Okay. All right, moving on. <laughs> uh, CSN Mid-Atlantic's J.P. Finley believes this should be the year that Jamison Crowder gets to 1,000 receiving yards. Now, let me pull up his – let me actually pull up his, uh, his stats from this past year real quick. We've got them right here. Uh, what did he finish with last year? Total yards receiving 847 after having uh, 604 the previous year. I mean, I guess it's possible um, if you look at – I mean, he's he's also a bit – he. I mean, he also does a lot of kick returns, punt returns. It may be kind of hard to get that simply because they rely so much on the tight end with Jordan Reed. They have – I mean, I guess you could say that he could take over what, what was supposed to be Deshaun Jackson's role, although Deshaun Jackson can never stay healthy. Um I don't know. I just I think with with how many receiving weapons they already have, I could. I mean, I honestly think in order for Jamison Crowder to hit a thousand receiving yards, Cousins has to throw like five thousand in order for that to happen, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing with the pickup to Pharrell Pryor. He's though he was a quarterback. He's the better deep threat. Uh, Jamison Crowder is currently listed as the number one slot receiver. Um, so in two wide sets, he won't be on the field currently. Um, I don't know if he's going to get enough time and snaps in order for him to get there unless Kirk Cousin becomes a fantasy football monster and throws for 5,000 yards. I, I agree. Go ahead. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I mean, I think, yeah, predicting 1,000 yards is, is your basically uh, your, your trend line analysis of where the guy should end um, the season. But I don't know that it really accounts for what takes place um, in the offseason. But I think maybe a move to the slot um, might help him, actually, and, and, and pick up a few more balls uh, here and there. Um, Jordan Reed traditionally has a bit of an issue, obviously, staying on the field. Uh, so I, I don't think it's a, a totally remote shot, but if he makes it, he'll just barely probably hit the line. Yeah, he'll probably if he does it, he'll probably do the same thing that Terrell Pryor did last year when he hit one thousand and seven yards. Right. But if you look at Terrell Pryor's, I mean, Terrell Pryor hit a thousand yards with his quarterbacks being Cody Kessler, RG three, and an often injured Josh McCown. So I mean, the talent is there for him to hit the thousand yards, no matter who the quarterback is. So. Jamison Crowder, I don't know. Uh, so let's move on next. Oh, this should this is a fun one to debate. The Rams want Tavon Austin to become more of a downfield threat similar to Deshaun Jackson. While he is fast, how big is is Tavon Austin? He's five foot nine, 174 pounds. He has five foot nine with three inch spikes on standing on concrete. <laughs> it's, I mean, and he's, he's been quote unquote productive in air quotes, 
but he's still not he I mean let's go to I mean his actual rushing receiving sets I mean he rushes for more yards than he receives for practically um no it's okay so this last year he had 159 rushing yards on 28 attempts and 509 receiving yards the year before he had 473 receiving yards and 434 rushing yards I mean he's really kind of a a very 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 poor man's Percy Harvin mm-hmm. is really the best way to put him. Um, you know, he stays pretty healthy, 13 games, 15, 16, 15 games. So he doesn't miss a whole lot of time, which is amazing for how little he is and how, you know, just absolutely clocked he gets in the NFC West. But uh, I don't know. I just, I don't see the talent there to be what Deshaun Jackson was early in his career. I, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I don't see it. I think he's one of those guys that, you know, you try to get the quote-unquote ball in space and he can make some exciting things happen. But realistically, in order for him to recognize his talent, he needs to be on a far more talented offense. Um, and the Rams the Rams stink, right? I mean, the, run, the running game stinks. Uh, their quarterback stinks. And uh, the general wide receiving core stinks um, because they've spent all those years under Fisher working on nothing but uh, defense. And that's basically about it. So I wouldn't blame Tavon Austin, throw him on the Patriots. He's probably all world. Uh, but, you know, if you, you leave him on the Rams, he's certainly not going to look like Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, the one thing preventing, uh, among others, Tavon Austin from being similar uh, this year uh, to Deshaun Jackson would be the fact that his quarterback options right now are Sean Mannion, Aaron Murray, and Jared Goff. Those are your options at quarterback for the, for the Rams. He's not going to get a deep ball thrown to him. So he can be the deep ball threat, but that doesn't mean he's going to get the ball. That's, that's, that's a good way to put it. I mean, if you think about who were, who were the quarterbacks for Percy Harvin, uh, he had his first couple, his first year or two. It was uh, the last couple years of, of Brett Favre's career in Minnesota, and even then, you know, Favre was still able to sling the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a he had a couple years in Seattle, well, a year and a half, really. It's no, a quarter of a year, considering how much time he missed from injury, and then getting he played two games, and then getting yeah. traded halfway through the season the next year. Um, hey, he returned with the Seattle a kickoff in the Super Bowl, which was meaningless points. Yeah, considering we were already up by 16 at that point. Um, yeah, I just, I'm not, you know, we'll move on. I'm not seeing it from Tavon Austin. Um, when asked about what Julius Thomas can add to the offense, Dolphins offensive coordinator Clyde Christensen said 10 to 12 touchdowns. And I will interject only if Peyton Manning comes out of retirement and is the one throwing <laughs> Even if it's lame ducks, yeah, yeah. Even if it's lame ducks, yeah. You know, he used to come out of the, come out of retirement with a flex capacitor to reset his career several years. That's the only way that's happening. I mean, ten to twelve touchdowns. How long was the contract? Six years. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's talking. Maybe he's talking about net net gain. <laughs> you know, over time. Um. Yeah. So I just. I. I'm not. You know, it's possible, but you know, Tannehill's never had a. Here's the thing. Tannehill's never really had a tight end to work with. Because he had Deion Sims as a tight end, and then Jordan Cameron, who can never stay healthy. So, 
you know, we've never we've never seen Tannehill really be able to develop a rapport with the tight end. The only person he's ever developed a rapport with is his slot receiver in Jarvis Landry. His safety blanket. That's it. That's the only guy that he has regularly been able to, you know, to um, get the ball to. And, you know, that's never for touchdowns because Jarvis Landry only runs like a 4-7-40. So. All right. Moving on. Keeping keeping with the Dolphins. uh, Offense coordinator Clyde Christensen expects Devontae Parker to have a gigantic year. Um, From what I've heard, Devontae Parker is also completely healthy. He's not dealing with the hamstring issues that he was dealing with going into camp last year. Um, you know, by the end of the year, Devontae Parker was actually somewhat, um, somewhat actually productive. Let me see. I've got it right here. Played in 15 games, but only started in eight just because he was having problems saying, out. 56 receptions for 744 yards, four TDs. Um, you know, he played, he was playing pretty well. I don't have a game by game breakdown. That's on, shoot, that's on the other page. So, you know, he's, he's shown that he can have that explosiveness, um, and that he can be the, 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 the go up and get him. He's, you know, six, three, 209 pounds. I think he would be better off if he hadn't like another six pounds on him. You know, at that two fifteen two twenty range, um, he may lose a step, but I think he'd be able to muscle up a muscle up, muscle a couple more. 50-50 balls, in my opinion. So I think I think he's got the he's got the talent. He just needs to stay healthy in order to be able to show it. Yeah, year three tends to be the the breakout time frame for wide receivers in the NFL. So I think that that lines up with Devontae Parker. Uh, I think Sterling Shepard was a little bit of an anomaly um, with eight touchdowns in his rookie season uh, for the Giants. Uh, and most of the time, even when you look at like a Julio Jones, uh, they they really begin to break out in year three, late year two, year three, when they develop the chemistry with the quarterback and those kinds of things. So I would agree that Devontae Parker is primed now that he's healthy, to had a little bit more chemistry with a quarterback uh, that he could have a big year, yeah. All right. Um Let's go next to uh, Brandon Marshall says he wants to play two more seasons. And considering how long he's been in the league, I think this year could be the year that he finally actually gets to the playoffs with the Giants. And if you consider the uh, the offense that he the off, other offensive weapons that that are with him out there with uh, uh, Odell Beckham, you, you know the aforementioned Sterling Shepard, uh, you know, and they just drafted. Was it Evan Ingram was the was the tight end they drafted in the first round? Um, they still don't know what they're doing in terms of running the ball, but uh, you know I think I think two more years would probably be would probably fit Brandon Marshall, and he doesn't have to be the number one this year. So, um, I w- I mean I would agree. I mean I think he could still be productive. I think you know that Giants offense, especially if they can get a running back. Um, you know, it is going to be exceptionally potent. I mean, they, they have every reason to be. Whether or not Eli delivers is another story. But I think Marshall still has plenty of gas in the tank. I don't, I don't think he's, you know, anywhere near hitting the wall, um, you know, physically, especially when surrounded with, with weapons like that. All right. Moving on. 
Rich Samini of ESPN expects Bilal Powell to be the Jets' lead back. I would honestly be totally on board with this. I don't know if if uh, you remember, you know, Greg wouldn't remember this because this is before he was actually on the podcast with us last year. In the preseason last year, I got into a Twitter argument with um, another another podcast. It's about our size. That, um, in my opinion, uh, Matt Forte would not be productive enough to be a top twenty running back. Um, and man, early in the season, he was sure making me look foolish. But by the end of the season, I was right. Bilal Powell was the most productive running back in the Jets' backfield, and Matt Forte got injured and was not in the top 20 at the end of the season. I honestly think Bilal Powell, they both are about the same size, uh, do basically the exact same thing. They're getting paid the exact same thing because they re-signed Bilal Powell for almost the exact same amount that they signed Forte for. I think Bilal Powell is the better, is the better running back and should be the lead back for the Jets this year. Justin. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I unfortunately, I was with you uh, on that, on the, on the Bilal Powell thing, but due to some other things, just looking back on, on my roster, I let him go the week before that explosion happened because I was just befuddled by the Matt Forte experience in early in the season um, who was owned by uh, – my brother and that was aggravating and so I'm like fine I'm getting rid of Bilal Powell Matt Forte has no end in sight uh and then of course obviously the time you let a guy go you don't have waiver priority to get him back so uh, I fully agree uh it, it reminds me a little bit of uh the Chicago Bears situation where where Jeremy Langford came in as the as the lead go-to and then Jordan Howard took over by the end of the year so I think Jordan Howard is the go-to in Chicago just like Bilal Powell is in Jets. Yeah, I call that Jordan Howard. I call that – I got in a fight in a Twitter argument over Jordan Howard and and, uh, and uh, Jeremy Langford too, and I told him Jeremy Langford was a piece of garbage that had a couple of lucky games while Matt Forte was out, and that Jordan Howard would take over the would take over the, uh, the backfield on that one too. So, Greg, you had a couple thoughts. Um, no, I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you look at the Jets' backfield that Powell's – the guy I mean I I think that you know Forte is definitely gonna be playing you know would be more that that second fiddle role um he certainly did have he had a pretty darn good last year year last year I mean I think all things considered um but you know he is getting a little bit long in the tooth he has a lot of miles on those legs so uh Powell's a guy you know whether or not he's you know all that you know it's it's still the Jets um you know if you, if you have a Jets running back in your backfield like every week things things probably aren't going to bode well for you no all right so okay this this would this is interesting i had i had uh, sent the uh, the i don't know if you guys saw the the little picture the news article i sent to you guys about uh um legarrett blunt today uh espn's J, uh jameson hensley believes that believe that the rams were the best fit for free agent legarrett blunt until today, um, let me pull up the actual article so I get this right. I have the actual points of that, that tender offer if you want me to read those. All right, well, let me, let me just kind of go over in general what happened. So um, 
the New England Patriots placed a seldom-used main nine tender on running back LeGarrette Blunt. So the, base, the basic general basis of this is that under this main nine tender, Blunt will be a free agent to sign with another club until June 22nd. If he remains unsigned past that date, his rights for the 27th season will belong to the New England Patriots. However, if he does sign with the new team, his acquisition will affect the club's 2018 compensatory pick formula. So if, one t if a team manages to sign LeGarrette Blunt, they send over their second round, or, or was it a, a second round, or a second or third round compensatory pick to New England. So they would get another pick. If they don't, the Patriots have all the rights to sign him for $1.1 million. I think it's the basic way it goes, Justin. Yeah, according to uh, NFL.com, the, the date is actually July 22nd. Um, I, I don't – I think what they're doing uh, is trying to get something for Blunt on his way out um, or trying to stick it to Blunt if he can't find a team really quickly. Um, there are teams that need a running back, but I don't know if they need – a slow running back. Um, but this is, once again, creative genius. Um, I'm secretly hoping this comes back to bite the Patriots, um, and they have, like, 12 running backs in their backfield, um, and then they got to drop somebody or put somebody on a practice squad. But um, look for the Patriots to apparently run the ball a lot this year. But, yeah, it, it's very rare. I don't know when the last time that this happened was. Um, but, yeah, it, it's pretty rare. But the Patriots do things differently. Yeah, Adam Adam Schefter and Eden Rapport both said that this has almost never been used. It's like only been used like once or twice before. So leave it to Belichick to know the obscure rule that benefits him. Yeah, basically. Uh, all right. Uh, moving on. That's of really no consequence. Um, Let's uh, go to, okay, ESPN's chief reporter, Adam Teacher, believes Spencer Ware is still likely the starter uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. However, there are many of us in the fantasy realm that believe that Kareem Hunt will take over that role by the end of the year. This is another thing um, I'm going to get into a little bit. Uh, on Twitter, I actually posted a, a poll. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, I posted a poll because when talking about Kareem Hunt, someone was mentioning, you know, which of the draft, which of the, the running backs drafted this year is going to be the guy who is the number one running back, rookie running back, who's going to get the most rushing yards. And, and one guy said, you know, just said Dalvin Cook simply because we've got to pick someone. So I'm going to pick Dalvin Cook. Why? I threw my, you know, my hat in the ring. I said, well, if we're just going to pick someone, why not Kareem Hunt? I think he's one. And I put it this way. I go, I think he's one more, one uh, Spencer Ware concussion away from taking over the backfield. Someone goes, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not into the whole, you know, predicting injury and everything. And someone else is like, well, he's only had one concussion, hasn't he? I go, yes. However, you get one concussion, it makes it that more likely to get another. And he also had some, Spencer Ware also had some leg problems last year, and his production after that concussion went absolutely in the toilet. I don't think he had a single game of more, more than 60 yards rushing after that. I think it was 69. He had a couple games 69. And so I posted this poll. Um, 
and I think we got we got about 60 votes on it. So let me pull up the actual the actual poll here. And it said All right. In terms of predicting is it bad to predict the possibility of injury when making fantasy football projections? And the three options I gave were, um, yes, it's bad juju. Two, no injury history matters. Or three, injuries are too unpredictable. 74 votes on this. Guess which one won? Yes. No, injury history matters. It is not a bad thing to predict injuries. Now, some people, yeah, again, we, we're, we're thinking that it may be, you know, bad luck, but, and injuries can be unpredictable. But when you consider that we are, that we are making predictions on one of the most violent sports, I mean, yes, you've got helmets and everything involved. It's not, you know, MMA, it's not boxing, but we're talking about a violent sport where there's a lot of hitting. You have to take into account injury history, especially guys that get injured over and over and over again. It's I mean, this is the reason why I would take David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott over Le'Veon Bell. I would even take a couple wide receivers over Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell has been injured three times in the last four years and been suspended once. Um, you know, and it's the same with Julio Jones. I love Julio Jones, but would take um, I would take Brown and OBJ over Julio Jones because he continues to have foot and ankle problems. Greg, any thoughts? No, I, I agree. I think you, I mean, if you're not, you know, predicting, saying, you know, predicting injury, um, yeah, I think you just have to look at the likelihood. And some players are just more likely than others. History shows that. Injuries are only unpredictable with otherwise healthy players. You could not have predicted Tom Brady's knee injury the year it happened. That is unpredictable. But, you know, predicting that, um, you know, a, a guy like, you know, Sam Bradford, is, has a good potential of being injured or Tony Romo last year, like I said in the preseason is, you know, good chance of being injured, not making it through. You're not going out on a limb, you know, I mean, there's a substantial probability to that happening with, you know, with, with certain players. So, I mean, I would agree with you on, on Hunt's probably um, ended up being the guy before too long in Kansas city. Me personally, I mean, I would think, you know, Cook or Fournette are the, the front runners to be the top productive, um, you know, running back this season, just, you know, based on, you know, where they're starting this season on the depth chart and, and things like that. But I, I mean, I think Hunt could be a very productive back this year. Yeah. I, there's, there's a reason why you have to account for injuries and it, it comes from a term that's a fantasy football term. There's a reason why you get a handcuff is because in certain positions like running back and receiver more prone to injury, the football rules are not necessarily written to protect them like they are quarterbacks, you need to have uh, or at least be aware of someone's injury history when drafting them. And we'll obviously cover that when we get closer to draft time and putting together mock drafts and those kinds of things. But obviously, injury history plays a factor. All right. Yep. I'm glad I have people on my side that see things the way I did. All right, um, here we go. Free agent Christian Michael will visit with the Patriots because they need another running. They need another running back. I was hoping we were going to get to this. <laughs> I thought we were going to get it right after talking about Legarrette Blunt, but 
Um, I, I, had, I had the Patriots depth chart as of right now, and this does not include the off chance that Crystal Michael gets signed or that LeGarrette Blunt comes, comes into the picture, but they have Deion Lewis, James White, Mike Gillisley, Rex Burkhead, DJ Foster, and Brandon Bolden, uh, and then another draft pick, Daniels, LaShun Daniels Jr. They have seven already on the roster, and that's with Chris and Michael visiting and LeGarrette Blunt being tendered. So they potentially have, like I said, nine running backs on their roster next year. Someone's sitting or getting traded. Yeah, he's not going to make the team. <laughs> not, not one of those players on that team can you legitimately cut in favor of Christian Michael. Forget it. The yeah. guy's had his chances. He sucks. Pretty much. All right. Didn't want to take too much time on that one. So here we interesting. Um, the Vikings and new wide receiver Michael Floyd uh, strike a one-year deal worth roughly $1.5 million with incentives up to $6 million. Um. The person that this affects the most is Laquan Treadwell. He's not going to see the field. I mean, because they just re-signed, they just re-signed Adam Thielen, and Stefan Diggs is by far better. Is you know, he's still by far a better uh, receiver than Treadwell is. Um, plus, they also drafted Stacy Coley out of Miami. Um, and you know my personal favorite on this team, who's probably won't see the light of day, and more it's Bowringer. He's he's the, the German kid that got drafted in the sixth round last year. Um, you know, six four runs a four three forty. Um, you know, I just Treadwell's not going to see the light of day. I it's it's going to be Thielen, Diggs, and and uh, and Floyd. Honestly, as long as Floyd can stay healthy and can you know keep his hands open to catch the ball and make sure the ball stays in his hands. Uh, he'll be, you know, he'll be one of the more productive uh, wide receivers there. Yeah, but he had issues at the end of the year when playing for the Patriots. Um, I mean, Malcolm Mitchell replaced him. And he's lower on the dips chart than Treadwell is for the Viking. And I think we just lost Justin. He's frozen in time. <laughs> but we are still here. But he's with us here in spirit, as you can yeah, see. Sure. So, contemplation. Um, I would say that, um, you know, as far as the Floyd signing could be a real good thing uh, for the Vikings. Um, he has all the potential. Uh, that's out there, but his biggest issue, having seen him here in in Arizona, was you know consistency. Uh, the alcohol issues have followed him since Notre Dame. I've I, I watched him his his entire career there, so uh, it's a great bargain, you know, if he ends up doing what he is capable, you know, of doing. All right, let's move on to next. Um... We already talked. Okay, we talked about the uh, the tender on the on Legarrette Blunt. Um, minor stuff. Uh, former 49ers and Jaguars quarterback Blaine Gabbert signing a one year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, this is kind of interesting. A Nashville man is accusing Tajay Sharp of beating him while teammates. 
Uh, offensive guard Sebastian Tritola served as a lookout. Um, that, you know, Tajay Sharp was pretty much fantasy irrelevant last year, so who knows? Uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter so much in terms of, of his playing time. I think it means more for, I think that means more for, um, you know, Taewon Taylor taking over a slot role if, uh, if he's not, if, if Tajay Sharp's going to have some legal issues, so. Yeah, Sharp, Sharp was supposed to be a stud last year and produced nothing. So, um, you know, he's a one of these guys who's going to be, you know, fast out of a job. Uh, on, interesting thing. The reason that Tajay Sharp apparently went off on him was because the guy made a comment about Tajay Sharp getting less playing time because they drafted Corey Davis. <laughs> that's what, apparently that's why Tajay Sharp went off and beat the snot out of the guy. So, um. According to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, the Vikings plan to establish a committee at running back during training camp, which does not bode well for, I believe it was Dalvin Cook who they, who they uh, drafted. Um, you know, and you know, they've, also got, uh, they've also got Latavius Murray, Jarek McKinnon, Bishop, Bishop Sankey. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> He's not going anywhere. He, I mean, He's been pretty much unproductive ever since he was drafted out of Washington. So, um, so yeah, that does not speak well of anyone right now. It's pretty much anyone's job right now. So, you know, that's another sit and wait. And it uh, looks like uh, out of a newspaper in New York, Ralph Vacchiano suggests that Quincy Inunua could be the Jets' number one receiver this season. I could see that being possible considering that Eric Decker, who knows how healthy he's going to be. He's also, you know, he's in his 30s um, and may, you know, his, his body may be breaking down to the point where he's not going to be able to, to keep it up anymore. He's been, he's been so productive for so many years, I, but I can understand with having, I want to say it was a hip surgery and a shoulder surgery this last year, how he may not be able to, uh, to quite hold up. And it would be interesting to see um, how Quincy Nunwa could do actually taking over that role and actually being, you know, being called the number one. So. All right, anything else from you guys? Nothing on the news and notes. All right, well, let's go ahead and hit up. Let's let's dive through these. Let's hit up the the AFC North fantasy implications. Um, and we'll again we'll do these in alphabetical order, starting with Baltimore. The only significant fantasy impact from the Ravens draft picks were adding to the offensive line. Pretty much that's it. Everything else is on defense. So hopefully they'll be able to protect protect Joe Flacco a little bit more uh, to provide running lanes for Terrence West and Kenneth Dixon. Um, and we'll see what the addition of Danny Woodhead can do for that offense. Other than that, that's it for Baltimore. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, moving on, Cincinnati. Now, this is where we had a lot, a lot go on. So, the the um, kind of going over my notes, Cincinnati. Um, the Bengals made Andy Dalton a happy man. They added John Ross, the, the, the speedster wide receiver out of Washington, to a group that already includes AJ Green, second year receiver Tyler Boyd, and Tyler Eifert at tight end. Um, if you're going to play in leagues with with return yards, Ross could be a very productive guy. Um, you know, being a kick returner, he didn't do so much uh, of the punt returning at Washington. That was more Dante Pettis. But in terms of kick returner, kick returning that could definitely be something that's uh, that's on Ross's plate. And then they also drafted the um, the the interesting character in Joe Mixon. Um, 
who could fight ha 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 for playing time with Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill. Playful word choice. <laughs> um, rumors and rumors are that Hill may not be retained once his contract is up due to his inconsistent play these last couple years. Uh, from what I'm hearing, it's basically it's Jeremy Hill's job to, or it's Gio Bernard will most likely be the lead back with uh, Joe Mixon mixing in. Um, wow. You're on fire. <laughs> um, and Jeremy Hill will most likely be the odd man out in this backfield. Because um, Joe Mixon can basically do everything that Gio Bernard can. And so if Gio Bernard were to go down, Joe Mixon can catch the ball out of the backfield and run it, unlike Jeremy Hill, who can not catch the ball out of the backfield. So uh, any thoughts on that, Greg? Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, <clears throat> Mixon certainly went higher than I thought he would in the draft, but I think he is a legitimate uh, threat to, you know, to take over that role, um, you know, pretty early on. I guess I, guess I could have used a, a pun there on the legitimate threat, but um, I think that, you know, he's, he's definitely probably going to ultimately, you know, be the guy there in very short order. Um, and so, I mean, you know, good pickup. I, the, the Bengals – really did a lot to try to add to that offense between between Ross and Mixon. Um, and they're going to try to make another go of it in a very winnable division. Yeah, well, let's, let's also remember that Baltimore isn't, isn't um, averse to um, going, you know, to picking up troubled players. Jeremy you Hill. Mean, you mean Cincinnati? Or, I'm Cincinnati. Jeremy Hill, before he got drafted out of LSU, sent letters to all 32 teams explaining – the multiple arrests he had had in the few years that he is he was at LSU, so the the Bengals are not afraid of drafting troubled guys with troubled backgrounds. I mean, we've seen that again with Jeremy Hill just a couple years, just a few years ago. So, um, you know, they're they're willing to take the risk, and we'll see we'll see how it helps their offense. There's three teams you land with in that situation: it's Dallas, it's it's Oakland, and it's Cincinnati. Those are yeah. the three teams that specialize in this stuff. Yep, uh, and and just on a side note, I think Andy Dalton's primed for a big year with with the additional weapons. I don't think he has any excuse not to make a deep run in the playoffs this year. So, other than the fact that he can't win in the playoffs, other than the fact that his head coach is Marvin Lewis, that might be the biggest problem. Uh, that could be it too. All right, going to going to Cleveland. Uh, the Browns had a ton of picks to work with, but used many of them to rebuild their defense. Um, you know, they had drafted, well, I want to say in last year's draft, they had drafted like six wide receivers. Um, tight end David Njoku um, is a very athletic player. Watching some of his game tape of what he was able to do at Miami, the guy is an athletic freak. He actually was a track and field star and then decided to, and then the coaches managed and was trying to be a wide receiver. And they actually convinced him to put on a little more weight to become a tight end. Um, but he was a high jumper. For, for Miami's track and field. Um, and so the guy, is, the guy is very athletic. Um, and, you know, he'll be put into action right away because as soon as they drafted him, that same night they told, the Browns told Gary Barnage, uh, see you later. <laughs> um, um, the Browns also drafted offensive linemen to bolster up the line. And then they took Deshaun Kaiser as a project pick, who very well could end up starting this year. Um. Could what's, also, your, what's your over-under on Deshaun Kaiser starting, percentage-wise? As in how many games? No, percentage of uh, – oh, okay, so how many – so the question or, is, day one, 
What's your percentage of Deshaun Kaiser being the starter uh, at Cleveland? I'm not all that confident in this, but I will say 30%. See, I'm going to take the over. Because <laughs> the guys in front of him are named Kevin Hogan and Cody Kessler. And Brock Osweiler. Can't forget about him. <laughs> but but um, if you're going to take a guy in the second round, I think he's got a shot at, at being on the roster or being the starter. I think, I think he has a shot at it. I'm just not – I'm not totally – again, I'm – going back to, going back to the, the Brock Heward interview, I mean, I've watched his tape and, and kind of gone over some of the notes that, that Brock Heward said about him. He, is a, he was a third-round project, multi-year project that he – while he has some awareness in the pocket, he is a pocket passer who played in a pro-style offense. His arm is a cannon – but it's a loose cannon, um, and he's just—I don't know—he's—he's he's too inconsistent. He can—he can blow up the the cruddy teams, but when he plays against good good competition, he he struggles. Um, you know, how, Greg, you're the you're the uh, you're the Notre Dame guy. How much uh, how much did you actually see of Deshaun Kaiser, and do you think that he can do anything? Do you think he'll be the starter, or do you think he'll they'll actually have him sitting? Um, I don't see him certainly not any time in the first half of the season seeing the field. Um, he's one of these guys that I would think if he's going to see the field, it's going to be in the last quarter of the season and a season where all else is lost. But if the Browns are smart, which is questionable based on history, but if you look at their draft, they had a hell of a draft. As a Bears fan, I'd much rather have all of their picks than any of ours, but we'll forget about that. If they're smart, he's not going to see the field this season. Um, if they're just quasi-stupid, then he's going to see the last – he'll see playing time in the last quarter of the season. If they're kamikaze, suicidal, he gets on the field early, and that's going to destroy his career. Brady Quinn shouldn't have seen the field that early. They didn't have the people there to support him. Not that he could have been a good guy, but he didn't have any of the, the, the coaching or the talent around him to succeed. Right now, the Browns questionable whether or not they do either with a player that needs this much work. So let these other three guys get their heads kicked in, or two guys, and only start him if you have not another healthy body to run out on the field. All right. Uh, moving on to Pittsburgh. Um, some of my notes. Injury and suspension could provide sooner than expected fantasy value from a couple of the Steelers draft picks because of who the Steelers have. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who was, uh, who was drafted by the Steelers to be a wide receiver, will be battling Sammy Coates for the third wide receiver spot. Um, Sammy Coates struggled with drops a lot last year. Um, had some big games where he'd you know, have three catches for 150 yards, but also had two drops in the same game, you know. Um, and uh, and who knows? Schuster could Smith Schuster could see himself moving up the ladder if Martavis Bryant can't stay out of trouble now that he's been reinstated. Um, and That's then an almost certainty. <laughs> um, just make sure that Garrett Blunt isn't visiting. <laughs> <laughs> more puns. Oh, that's hey, that's oh, how that's, actual. That's how Le'Veon Bell got suspended. Was uh, was him and was him and Legarrette Blunt got pulled over, uh, pulled over and had marijuana in the car. So, um, Big Ben has been fighting off injuries every year, uh, but don't look to Josh Dobbs to be an immediate backup quite yet. They still have oh god, who's their backup there? Um, Landry Jones. Landry Jones, which 
who just signed a two-year deal for like $5 million, $0 guaranteed. So they'll be ready to cut him loose at any time. Um, and Le'Veon Bell is a freak of an athlete but will be on, uh, that will be on the top of many draft boards this fall. However, due to injuries and suspension, Bell has only had one season in which he has played 16 games. One season in which he has played 16 games. Power runner and third round back, uh, third round pick James Conner could find himself in a position to carry the load if Le'Veon goes down. He'll, James Conner actually was out of um, the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and so it's kind of cool that he's kind of the hometown, the hometown kid that got drafted uh, by the Steelers. Uh, he's he's a decent power back that could find, you know, he very well could play the uh, the uh, the Williams role from last year. So, but my real money's on Niall Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's the safe. That's the safe play. That's the safe play. Over under on Niall Davis being on three teams this year. Um, I w- well, yeah, I, w- I would say that you you have. Uh, I don't know if he could get another three teams okay, out two, of them. Two and a half. Two, two and a half. Okay, two, so two two point five teams. I'll take the over on two point five. I'll take the under <laughs> because because he'll get he'll get two teams, and then no one else will pick him up. So, yeah. all right, moving over to the NFC North. Hey, we start off with your with. Is it your former team now, the Bears, Greg? Is it? Or are you still somewhat attached to them? Um, I, I still haven't reconciled where I'm at. Um, I'm pretty much, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even, I, I'm still in shock. They actually did um, what I thought that they wouldn't do in the worst case scenario, and, and they did it. And so um, the, the team has been doomed to not, they don't have a chance to compete for that division in at least five years' time. Not a chance. There's not a snowball's chance in hell. There's been so much damage done um, in the time of um, Ryan Pace that I I actually do believe that he is a plant for the Packers. That's the only thing that's logical. Um, This is the dumbest pick I've ever seen. There was absolutely – if you were going to make this pick and you want to do a stupid pick for a guy who would have been there, fine. But – that don't spend the money on all these other quarterbacks and just keep Hoyer and run him out there or just do, don't spend, spend the money and all the other holes you have. But they didn't do that. So they filled none of the holes. And then they get this Trubisky guy who, for God's sake, John Gruden had to explain to him what a hard count was. Did you see that on Gruden's QB camp? Unfortunately, I did. I – at least 70% of the women I date know what a hard count is. This guy's an idiot. He's an absolute idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's played a handful of games. He's got barely more time playing football than my son has in flag football. He's not a franchise quarterback. The last couple of years of picks, the last few <clears throat> we have Kevin White and Trubisky. You want to know some names that you're not going to see in the record books for all-time touchdown connections on any team ever? It's going to be Trubisky to White. <laughs> and it, so this is just – this is absolutely dreadful. Horrible pick. Will he see the field this year? Yes. There's a, he's got a better chance than Kaiser of seeing the field less than Watson um, and uh, I would say, you know, less than, than Mahomes for sure. So he's number two here in playing time because Watson's going to start. But Trubisky's going to get in probably in that last quarter of the season. 
Glennon is going to get absolutely murdered, murdered behind that line with no weapons. He's six foot seven. He can't move. So he's going to go down at some point, even if Glennon otherwise plays well and surprises everybody, right? If he surprises everybody, he's still, I don't think, going to last a, a season behind that line. He's just going to get beaten up too bad. Sanchez is going to be the quickest hook anybody's ever seen to get Trubisky out there. So I think you at least see Trubisky get time in the last quarter of the season with no injuries. Because once the Bears are mathematically eliminated, which technically happened when the schedule was released and this draft pick happened, <laughs> but when they're mathematic, because you have to, technically you have to play games. So whatever. They're going to play some games, and when they're eliminated sometime around, I don't know, week nine, <clears throat> then – then the chance will start to go ahead and get this stiff out there. If they're smart, they won't play him. But I can see where it ends up happening. All right. Moving on to, uh, to some other picks from, uh, from the Bears. Uh, they also drafted uh, tight end Adam Shaheen, who's a small school product. I want to say of Ashland College. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's, he can catch the ball, but is also known for his ability to help block along the line of scrimmage, which I think is one of the reasons why they got him to, one, help along the line of scrimmage and, to uh, their their other uh, tight end, um, oh, who's their other tight end, Greg? Oh, um, yeah, uh, the the oft insured um, clown from um, oh, what is his Miller? Name? Yeah, Miller. Yeah, Zach Miller. Zach, yeah, see, because you've had the Zach Millers and the Heath Millers out there. We, the Bears <laughs> have the bear, the Bears have the crappy one of the two. It's Zach. Well, and there's well, there was two Zach Millers also. There was one that was with the Seahawks, and then there was the other Zach Miller that that the Brown that the that the Bears had. So yeah, the Bears have the even crappier. They have the third crappiest Miller. <laughs> okay, um, they also drafted an interesting pick. They they also drafted a running back in Tariq Cohen, um, which honestly, if you if you want to just have some fun watching some watching some highlight film, go to YouTube and look up Tariq Cohen or. Also look up the human joystick. Um, his highlight film is outrageous. He is here's the deal. He is a little guy. Um, I want to say he's another one of those like five nine, five ten guys that only weighs like you know 190 pounds or something. But his ability to make defenders look stupid is is ridiculous. Um, he's obviously he's not going to take over for Jordan Howard. He's going to be more of a third down receiving back. Could see some production as a as a as a special teams player, so that's maybe something to look at, um, depending on what kind of what kind of work he gets in the preseason. Um, he could be a, an eventual special teams guy if you have special teams points uh, in your league. So, moving on, Detroit. The Detroit Lions grabbed some interesting picks in this draft. Uh, many assumed that they would look at adding a running back. They didn't. <laughs> Instead, uh, Destro- Detroit tried to bolster up their defense. Um, they added a few key offensive pieces. Kenny Galladay, um, who we entered, we uh, interviewed their um, uh, his play-by-play announcer from uh, Northern Illinois, uh, Bill Baker. Uh, Galladay's a, a tall, athletic, speedy wide receiver. He makes catches over defenders. He can outrun them on the seam route. Uh, he did a lot of he did a lot of uh, you know just like five yard stop routes, get him the ball in a in an open zone, and then just let him work his uh, work his way out there. That could be an interesting uh, an interesting fit in there with with uh, Golden Tate and uh, and Marvin Jones. Um, you know Jones working. Up, you know, I think that Galladay could actually take over the deep role from from Jones. He's bigger, more athletic. 
Um, and then they also added to the tight ends with Michael Thomas, who another guy to watch his, his game film. This guy is huge. As a tight end, he's 6'6", 270 pounds. He finished the season last, last year with 45 catches, 460 yards, and 16 TDs. Like one out of every three catches was a touchdown. Um, so he, he could be a huge, you know, kind of a, a touchdown only type of league could be a, a, a good pickup, a value pick. Um, so, so he came in at Kelvin Benjamin weight, <laughs> except, except he's also three inches taller and carries that weight a lot better. And an actual tight end. Yeah. And he's an actual tight end. He's not a wide receiver. That's now the size of a tight end. Um, all right, moving on to green Bay. The Packers were desperate for defensive back help. Oh, boy, were they ever. Um, and so they, they addressed that early. Um, as far as fantasy goes, um, it'll be interesting to see the running back battle between converted wide receiver Ty Montgomery and um, the draft picks, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. There are some that believe that Aaron Jones is the most talented running back in that running back room now. Um, uh, head coach McCarthy is, has already stated that Ty Montgomery is their starter. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he holds up. Um, he missed a few games last year, not only from injury, but also dealing with uh, fatigue from um, the sickle cell trait um, issues that he had. So, uh, you know, I can see either Jamal, Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones, if either one of them could really step up, you know, maybe taking over that, that backfield from Ty Montgomery um, if he can't stay healthy. Um, or they could just be good, you know, good guys to watch for, um, for DFS plays when Montgomery is out. So, um, yeah, that's, and, and that's pretty much all they had, you know, every, everything else, they're pretty much set with their wide receivers in, in with, uh, Adams and Cobb and, uh, and Nelson. So, um, and then finally Minnesota, the Vikings were hoping to have found their running back in future, uh, of the future in Dalvin cook. But as we've, you know, just, uh, seen in the news and notes, they're looking to do a um, running back by committee. Um, they also uh, um, added to their offensive line by drafting uh, one of the top centers in the draft to help up there. You know, and then you know we also know that they they that they they signed uh, Michael Floyd. In terms of the running backs, I mean, do is do you actually do either of you guys actually see someone stepping out? Or do you think that this, you know, between say Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray, or do you think this will kind of stay as a as a committee thing? And we'll start with you, Greg. Um, I, I don't see what the committee is involving Jarek McKinnon. I mean, he had his chance in an incredibly thin backfield, and the result of his hard work was the signing of one Latavius Murray in the drafting of one Dalvin Cook. So, um, if there's ever been a third wheel uh, in a situation. Uh, it is definitely Jarek McKinnon. So um, I think their, their, their backfield's gotten a whole hell of a lot better. Um, I really like Minnesota, uh, their ability to contend um, in the North this year better than last year is a result of the moves that they've made at running back and if Floyd can produce. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook could certainly take that job, uh, you know, from Murray, but um, 
you know, it, it's it's tough to say. Obviously, Latavius has some nagging things that seem to happen for him health-wise. Uh, productivity seems to be a question at times. Uh, so uh, Cook is one of those guys who's – I would call him a dark horse, but he, he's got to be one of those guys who, who's got a chance to, to get a rookie of the year nod depending on what how his playing time, you know, levels out versus, say, a Fournette. Uh, I like Dalvin Cook's chances better than Latavius Murray's chances, and, and here's why. Last year, Latavius Murray ran behind a fantastic offensive line for the Raiders and did not produce very well. Uh, now he's going to a team, though they did bolster their offensive line this year, struggled to let anybody run with any significance last year. Um, once again, Dalvin Cook is an incoming first-year player um, he's got a little bit more speed than Latavius Murray. I think he's a little bit more versatile. Uh, I would say that Dalvin Cook, not the first couple of weeks, but I think by week six will probably, though still a committee, will probably be getting 50% of the carries, Latavius Murray probably getting 35, and McKinnon getting in there every once in a while, maybe to blast at the goal line. Okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for me, I see McKinnon as more of a, more of a kind of a third down, catch the ball out of the backfield type of guy, just because he's a he's a smaller guy. He doesn't have a whole lot of girth on him. So, um, yeah, I can see, I can see it going either way. You know, they may stick with Latavius Murray just because of the, um, of the experience over Dalvin Cook, or they could just decide, hey, this is Dalvin Cook. Just let him go with it. So. All right. Uh, I think that's all we've got for tonight. Um, anything else from you guys? Uh, not for me. I think I've said quite enough. I, I do have one thing. Um, I, I do kind of want to do a little bit of a shout out or not a shout out, but just kind of a, a mention uh, today uh, on the news uh, on ESPN um, long-time ESPN announcer Chris Berman's wife passed away. So just want to say, uh, as a fan, uh, my, my thoughts and prayers are with him uh, during this uh, tragic time. We wish him the best going through this. Uh, but um, big fan of Chris Berman uh, as a football announcer, and so sad to see that news today. So that's kind of just one thing I wanted to throw out there. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna mention that if if you guys hadn't. So yeah, um, you know, again, uh, Boomer, our our thoughts and prayers are with you as you go through this tough time. Um, you know, we can't imagine what you're going through right now. So, all right, uh, if there's nothing else, I will go ahead and call it. Uh, well, for us, call it a night. Uh, this uh, this podcast will be uh, up and running Thursday morning. So. Um, again, we want to thank you all for uh, taking the taking your time to uh, to listen to the Skull King Football Podcast. Again, my name is Ryan Scalder, and with me tonight we're Greg and Justin. Um, we hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, we look forward to bringing another show next week where we go over the fantasy implications of the NFC and AFC South, as well as whatever news and notes come out this last this next week. So, again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. Hey, Skull King Nation. Thank you for listening to the Skull King Football Podcast. Did you like this episode? If so, be sure to go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube to subscribe. Also, please leave us a rating and reviews to let us know how we can better help you rule your leagues.
at Jared. We know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.